damn, I'd buy this. <laughs> I can I can charge way more. I know what their yeah. cost is. Like uh, that bottle, our cost is probably two fifty. So we make uh, we're not making like price gouging markup, yeah. but we have to go there because as we grow, I need our then our we're gonna lose profits. We can't charge more. I could charge more, but I I I. Yeah, but as long as you're doing more than fifty percent, you're okay. Yeah, we're, that's and where with we're tabs, planning. You can make quite a bit of money. Yeah, and that's and tabs or capsules are it's better. Um, yeah. I've done I've done the research. Powders they sell, but they take longer. Like if you buy a thirty day supply of some sort of powder, you don't take it every day. The thing is, powders are, are more expensive to manufacture. You got no cheaper powders. Oh yeah. So when I was in supplement industry as well, we we made most of our money on tabs. That's where you you make your money from. But you're, it's cheaper to make a powder. Because think about it, there's no cap, there's no capsuling cost. <clears throat> yeah, there, no, no, but we're talking about whey proteins and oh, that type of stuff. Okay, so it's then it's different. different yeah. yeah, yeah. So when you get into supplements, um, actually the cost of my capsule and the cost to put it in the capsule is like twice the price of the powder. Interesting. But I don't believe in powders because if I sell you a month's supply of lion's mane, you won't take it every day. Because no one, oh, I got to put it in the fucking water. Put Moringa every day in water. You're like, oh. This is yeah, it's like creatine as well. If you take creatine capsules, uh, sometimes you're more inclined to take it. You're more inclined to take oh it. And then usually you have your capsule drawer at home, right? And you just go <laughs> pop, 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 throw them all in your mouth, and you're yeah. done. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Get a handful. Okay, that probably could have been fun content. Okay. Um, I'm sure that probably could be part of the podcast. Just keep it rolling, no? Yeah. All right. I think so. Anyways, Hans, up to you. You deal with it. I will talk about that later. Okay. So we're uh, we're gonna get this started. Uh, we kind of explained before how how we we roll with it. Maybe we'll keep that part in our capsules. That's some good content there. A little off the mic. We're we're changing it up a bit. A little more raw and filtered. What do you think, Hans? And we'll cut right into this intro. Welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast with your host Brendan. Today we have another legend of a guest. Now he's making a last minute appearance on this podcast before he heads back to bangkok this is leroy you're going to learn all about his life and specifically what he's doing in the coaching industry now he's wearing many hats so i'm not going to give you the big background of what he's all about he's going to do that do not forget to, oh we forgot the bottles here's our mushroom supplements do not forget to buy them we got lion's mane we got reishi we got cordyceps you can find it all on lazada links in the bio if you are tired of listening to me ramble we got timestamps skip ahead I let the guests take charge, and if I chat too much, let me know in the description. I'm dialed in, flying on nootropics focused, uh, and nootropics focused, and a little bit of uh, coffee as I fuck up that line. Uh, anything else? Uh, like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. All right, without further ado, Leroy. Hey, thanks, Bud. Thanks for joining us. Last minute, now you came up from Chalong. It's a bit of a hike. Uh, we were talking about supplements. We're going to leave that in. So this is probably still flowing. Uh, as we do in the fruiting body podcast, we always forget to thank our guests. So thanks again and jump right into it. Let us know where you're from and what you're all about. The longest short side of it. Oh, the, the long story. <laughs> so we probably can go in 10 minutes We're, we try to keep it in under okay. an hour. Uh, it's not that we don't like you. It's YouTube algorithm. Yeah. They, yeah. they've kind of pushed podcasts. You want to keep them under an hour and it just pushes it more. So uh, Hans will give us the signal about 10 minutes before and we'll, we'll, okay. we'll go from there. So give us that that long story, really, what, what you're about, where you're from and kind of how you got into what you're doing. And okay. yeah, go from there. So I'll, I'll keep it long, but try and keep it interesting at the same time for you. 
Um, originally, I, look, I'm from South Africa. Uh, I get the, are oh, you from Australia? No, 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 South Africa. Told you, Hans. Yeah. <laughs> so you got, you got a get fellow. That. And then, um, then, then usually when people meet you here, if you, you know, the locals and that I've had now, not so much, but I've had many times before like, oh yeah, South, South America. No, no, no. Africa, bottom Africa. And, uh, no, but, but you're white. Yeah. There's like, you know, all over the world. <laughs> um, but yeah, originally South Africa, been in Thailand now five years based predominantly in Bangkok, um, how things started. It's an interesting story. So early 20s, you know how it goes in the early 20s, party lifestyle and all that type of thing. And uh, I think it was just after my 21st birthday, I decided no, I, need, I need some type of change, some type of discipline or something. And uh, one of my friends introduced me to a Thai boxing club in Centurion. Uh, Warrior Sports was actually where I basically started everything out there. And uh, <clears throat> from that side, I did that for about, it was about four years, five years. I, I sort of changed a lot of, a lot of things. It's the first time I started shaving my head. <laughs> this isn't natural. I do it on purpose. Um, you know, it's just easier when you wake up in the morning and that type of stuff. So went into the Muay Thai thing, um, really got fit, enjoyed it, enjoyed the discipline, really made some really good mates that are still my mates today. Um, and along the journey, I was privileged enough to you know come to Thailand the first time did a Muay Thai training camp down in Krabi I think it was Emerald Gym still I think they're still going as well really good um and then made my way to WTK World Championships in Italy got severely injured and realized something was missing <laughs> mm. went back and uh, that's where the sort of the strength and conditioning part started happening I started digging deep that there's something missing and it was great, fit, fast, but there's no strength, there's no power, and started digging deeper into that. Stopped the Muay Thai side and started going more into that. And then from there, as I started, you know, doing some research, started doing some studies and things like that, I had friends of mine that's like, hey, you know, don't I want to come and show them a few things? And went there. It was just we started playing around and started playing from playing around, started going into, well, this is great. Don't don't you want to come off and start training and I mean, you know, if I look back now, I made so many mistakes back then, but it, that's how it is. You fail, you learn. And back then you don't see this failure. It's like, wow, this is awesome. You look back now and it's like, yeah, I shouldn't have put that on video, but <laughs> it happens. Um, and then it turned into a whole big bunch of us there. We revamped the garage and uh, one of my friends said to me, it's like, hey man, listen, this is really growing. Why don't open a business and you know, start charging and that type of stuff? And I'm like, well, Sounds good. And uh, I was, at that stage, I was, re I was still working. What, what age are you at around this point? I think this was about 24, around about 24, 25. Uh, and I hope you still look young. <laughs> um, and from there, we decided, okay, cool, we're going to start this off. And it started an amazing community. We started inviting friends. I think we were charging something like 150 baht just so we can revamp and stuff. This is per person. And eventually it just started growing more and more. We didn't know, I didn't know CrossFit yet. This is just sort of functional training. We're doing like the basics of strength and conditioning, having fun, not really good programming or anything back then either. I didn't know too much. And uh, from there, we just, it just grew and grew until we like, no, listen, we need a venue. And if, okay, if it wasn't for this mate of mine, I, I can promise you I wouldn't have been able to bankroll it myself. He really helped out. We became good partners in business and opened the first one. 
that grew within a year. We're like, no, we need another space. Close that one down. We opened another one. And then that grew. Close that down. And we opened in a warehouse. And that was good. That was amazing. And uh, grew and grew from there. And about, I would say about eight years ago, I got into CrossFit. I discovered CrossFit, did my L1. Um, at the same time, now that I've opened my business, I was still working. I worked in medical industry. I worked in dermatology. I was in detailing for some of the worst things out there, Lipidol. What Were you all always kind of in one location or were you still going, were you going around the glo no, no, globe no. doing all this? This is, this is all in South Africa. Oh, okay. I hadn't, I hadn't yep. moved yet or anything. And uh, in, you know, it really grew. I, I, I mean, the fitness facility that I had was amazing. The people were amazing. The community was amazing. And so many lives. I mean, we, we saw people meet in the gym, marry, like these types of things. It was, it's amazing. It's amazing being part of this and seeing this. And uh, in about, 2018 or so now i'm, I'm full-time already now in the facility um in about 2018 uh decided hey man let's move to bangkok i wanted to expand sort of on the coaching side more on an international level um i had the opportunity to do it i had good management in the facility and moved um and then about a year after being here we decided no this is we're gonna stay and but my why? coaching that that quick transition into Thailand, Bangkok, was it just because you 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 said you were training over at Krabby Emerald and and you had that experience, or is so, this a little bit later? All right, so honeymoon, I came here. I came mm. here before that as well. I, I've been to Thailand a few times, and I don't know. It's just there was something about it, and I fell in love with the place. It's beautiful. It's good weather. Um, you don't have to look over your back. It's great living. Um, easy to travel. This is you know, pre-COVID, it was really easy to travel. So if you want to go around Asia, to all the beautiful places, the beaches and stuff, it doesn't cost you an arm and a leg. You can really enjoy it. And, you know, you don't have to like, seriously bankroll it. Um, and then we decided, I think we came here, we're surprising, we came here about two months before we actually moved here. Like, came here on a vacation and like, damn, we want to live here. Mm. And we moved. We made it. And, uh, yeah, about a year after that, I sold my business. I sold it. Um, and the, the guys I started doing martial arts with, the, the sort of the Thai boxing club, they now own my facility and they merged it all. So it was ah. like a whole big turnaround. Thailand, yeah, come, I came to Thailand, continued my CrossFit education and that. Um, I did my L2 in CrossFit just before I came. And while I was in Thailand as well, this is just, just, just as the COVID thing hit, I actually did my L3. Um, so one of two L3 CrossFit L3 coaches in Thailand. And I'm lucky enough to be based with, with the other guy, uh, Nat from 10 to 500. Mm. So we both, you know, the two, all three up in Bangkok working together under his facility. Um, and yeah, so many things have happened. Started my own online business. I work for OnTrack, um, OnTrack Gym, a nice boutique fitness gym. We can dig a little bit deep into that mm. if we want to. Um, and then, yeah, 10, five, 10 500 concert coaching as well. So when you had, your, you had your business in Bangkok, how did you decide why Bangkok? Why not maybe Chiang Mai, Krabi, Phuket? How do you make that decision? <clears throat> so I don't know. It's just, you know, I think we got stuck in Bangkok. Yeah. <laughs> it, Thailand has this way of sort of absorbing you in as well. You think, okay, well, you know, this is going to be our plan. We're going to move to Bangkok for a year. And maybe a year later, our plan was originally we want to go up to Chiang Mai. I love the CrossFit Chiang Mai community up there. Um, area the mountains is just beautiful it's, it's sort of got a south african vibe as well you've got a little bit of cooler um winter time as well you've got the mountains and things and we were into mountain biking as well so there was opportunity for that sports have changed as well since we've been here but i don't know it was three years 
past and we were still in Bangkok and networks grew and everything. And I think our friend base, my business base, the networks and everything just started growing really well in Bangkok, the connections. And and then you kind of in Thailand, you also get comfortable in your bubbles and it's hard to leave. Um, you do. Um, you know, I, I worked at uh, CrossFit Arena in Bangkok in Asok for two and a half years. And uh, that went by incredibly fast because it was also during the COVID time as well. And it's, you can't believe how fast things go by. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I actually took a big stint in Wahin to go and sort of open up the first CrossFit gym in Wahin. Uh, did that for about six months and decided, you know, this isn't for me. I'm not happy with the way that things were going there. Um, and then came back to Bangkok. And this is like eight months ago. Um, I'm very happy to do that because that's when I started going, you know, full into the on-track gym there. Um, then I started up at the 10-500 gym because it was before it was a CrossFit arena. Um, and I'm happy. Mm. I'm really happy doing it. But it's hard to get out of the network. Like Phuket's amazing. I come up here for vacation. I love the soy. Everybody knows the soy. Um, and you can get lost there as well. You can spend two weeks just in that 1.2 kilometer road. And it's fantastic. Well, especially if you get into that routine. I mean, you're training the soy. I mean, if you're training twice a day, you're eating clean by six, 7 PM, you're ready to go to bed anyways. Right. You know, it's an amazing road because they've got like what, two bars and they're empty. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody's waking up. They're getting a good breakfast. You wake up at seven, you see people running around already going to the gym, going to their, you know, their Thai boxing classes, whatever you get good food. You've got protein on the soy, you've got good sunshine all the time. You can walk around without your shirt and the soy and it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're not getting judged. I mean, it is a bit far from the beach. That's why we prefer Bang Tao. Um, having that, that, that connection as well. Um, I kind of want to take a step back and, and jump on your experience, uh, you know, owning businesses in Thailand and, and running with that. And usually all the pitfalls in the story, the horror stories that everyone experiences and some don't, uh, before that, we just want to do a quick shout out to five star Marine. They're helping us to sponsor this podcast and making this happening. Um, they're taking kind of care of all our production. So to let you know about Five Star Marine, they are a private speedboat tour company on the island of Phuket, taking you to places like Krabi, Pangna, Kopipi, and all the way down to Kolipe. Uh, they're a little bit different than your average speedboat tour because it is private, so you can rent it yourself. You can tell the captain where you're going to go and have a little bit more control over your day and do some customization if needed. You can te- check them out, link in the description or on Instagram at uh, five star Marine Phuket. Um, I try to ma- make these Addy, but it's impossible to slide that in. I was like, tell me about your boat trip at PP, by the way. <laughs> um, so uh, jumping back, owning your business in Thailand, do you have any stories you can share pitfalls, you know, some do's and don'ts things should be, people should be aware of if they're starting their own business in Thailand. <laughs> yeah, it's so I do an on, you know, I'm, I'm basically international. So yeah. I do the online coaching similar to somebody you had on, yeah, or Mr. Phil, amazing yeah. guy. Um, so I do similar things to him, same as Joy Summers and that we, we do online international coaching. So that's, that's a bit hard. So where do you register and these types of things? So I'm not locally registered with my business, mm. but I do work for a facility in Thailand. And uh, it was quite hard to, to get a work permit. I'll be honest that. That is a nightmare. So people are like, okay, but you know, your work permit's like what? 6,000 baht. All right. You end of the day, you're like 70,000 baht, 80,000 baht in the red because there's so many things that you just got to pay for. And it's, it's like you go to immigration it's actually there. 
there's these sections where that's it, you have to pay. Um, we had a friend of ours also try and open a business here 100%. And no matter what they did, there has to be under, under yeah. the table payments. Yeah, yeah. Always. You know, and they, they really wanted to do it. And they went through the lawyers and everything. And they still had to pay. And she so badly just wanted to do it 100% legal on top. You know, no, you cannot. It has to be under the table somewhere. Um, so I've been lucky. Um, I mean, you know, on track gym, the, the, or the on track Asia side, they've really looked after me. Um, amazing, amazing people. The owners are fantastic. Young, like go getters. They really like creating something for the community and that. And, uh, they really helped me out with the work permit side. So um, people coming here as digital nomads. So, I, I mean, this is okay to discuss on camera because technically the way you're doing it, it's fine. This is legal. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, would you recommend to digital nomads if you're coming here and you're doing remote work internationally, um, maybe either either open up your own company or also if you want to go get a job somewhere else, that's probably the, the easier route. So, you know, digital nomads more and more are coming into Thailand and they still want to do that whole like, okay, well, I'm going to stay here for three months on a tourist visa, do a run, you know, go visit somewhere and come back again. But it's not that hard anymore to actually register yourself in Thailand. There's so many op options now, but I think it's been it's been too sort of you know fluid on where you should do it, how you should do it, and it's becoming a bit more apparent now. Okay, these are the routes. This is what you can do, and they've made it a bit easier because you know digital nomads coming here, the guys are making good money, and well, if they're making good money and they're in Thailand, what are they going to do? They're going to spend more money in Thailand. That's a good thing for the country. You want that. So you want to keep these guys here actually and spending money you know, look after them. So there is opportunity now. And I think it's not as hard as people think. Um, once you come here and you get through the red tape and everything, it's really good. And it's actually easier living than going on online and you're trying to search like, about how to get a you know, working permit or how do I come and actually work here as a digital nomad. And it's not that hard. Yeah, no, the, the process now, they, they make it quite simple. It, it can be a bit costly especially if you're just getting started and maybe you don't have that cash flow uh, again opening a business it's probably going to cost you at least a hundred thousand baht with visas and lawyers and documentation um, for someone like yourself that can be more remote and obviously someone like joy where she's able to travel the world and do this online coaching uh, pretty much anywhere do you see yourself stuck in Thailand? Do you see yourself leaving? Or, you know, as we get older, for me personally, I, I love that home base. I don't want to run around the whole world either. H how does that work for you? Do you want to be running around? Or are you kind of, this is it, this is home? All right, so I, I would say I'm the same as you. My wife, maybe not so much. I like to have a home base. That's my base. Like somewhere, you know, if you've got to travel for a week or you've got to travel for a month, you come back and you know you've got a base. That's it. And Thailand's my base. I'm very happy here in Thailand. And um, I was saying to Hans earlier as well that, you know, people are like, yeah, but Thailand's got problems. Well, it's problems that I'm happy to accept. You know, and every country's got problems, no matter where you go in the world. Um, but I'm happy to accept the problems here and make this my base and then travel from there. My wife, she, I think she prefers to like, you know, maybe spend two years here, spend two years here. But I'm different. Great. We can go for a month somewhere happy with that but i want to come back to my base um i don't know it's, it, it feels like a it feels like you still got a home yeah it's it's also i for me personally like if i go on a vacation even chiang mai not away from home i just find by like a week later i just feel bloated or just, i don't feel like settled i feel like uh, not grounded 
Like you don't have that routine. You're out of your comfort zone a bit. And for I can't live in a hotel room. I mean, I, I, I feel like you need that space. I could become a bit of a princess at a certain level, but uh, I can't just live out of a backpack. I mean, is that kind of similar for yourself without the princess side? <laughs> um, it's it's the same. I, I come on vacation here, and the first thing I do is I'll, I want to put my stuff into a closet. Like I take it out the bag. Uh, my wife's happy to open up her bag, and she'll live out of two bags. I mean, I, I need you know I need some routine and that. Um, I think my routine does change a bit when you travel. Um, and and now I mean you know I've come to on a vacation now. It's over the Songkran period, and it's the first time in three years where I've actually told my clients, sent them a message day before I came and I said, listen, I'm coming on vacation. I need to take some time. Like you would on your job, you take a week off, you don't do any work or two weeks off. This is going to be the first time I'm not taking my Mac with me. It's staying at home. I'm not going to be responding to anything. And I was actually quite surprised my clients responded with, yeah, it's great. You deserve it. You know, well done. Take the time off. And it's like, okay, well, what I'm teaching them and that they were like saying the same thing back to me. Like, well, great. You know, come back refreshed. And got no messages so far, nothing. It, it's fantastic. But my routine hasn't really changed. I'm still wake up in the morning. I still have my water, my coffee, my sunshine. Um, I mean, twice a week, I don't get that in my routine at, in, in Bangkok. Um, but I still try and stick to that. Maybe I veer off course a little bit with food a bit. Um, but you're also comfortable. You know this way. You've probably been here yeah, before. So I it's, know where the good stuff it is. It can be, a, it's not, you know, the undiscovered. Have you been to Bali or lived there before? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, these places, how... Like, how would you compare living in, I, th I think Phuket to Bali is a more fair comparison. What do you prefer? What are the advantages, disadvantages, things you like, you don't like? So if, if I had to compare Bali to Phuket, I'm going to say beach club vibe Bali up here. Um, lifestyle wise, Phuket higher up. I, I just, I, you know, Bali, I think even if you live there, I got a mate that came down this weekend for the company. He's been living for about, He's about four years in Bali now, and he's not tired. He says the traffic's horrible. The tourists are horrible. <laughs> That's it. You just got tourists everywhere. Um, when we went as well to Bali, it, it felt, you know, if you come to the beaches here in Phuket, you've got a fair mix of expats and tourists. When you go to Bali, it's just tourists. Mm -hmm. And those photos that you see everywhere, those videos, it's that whole Instagram reality versus, you know, expectation, and it's always the reality. Like you've got to wait in these queues just to get a photo or I would yeah, say I never, I never thought of uh, that in that sense. I, that, okay. Phuket, we have Patong and that's all tourists, but yeah. actually up in Bangtao or the soy or well, Bangtao more in, in that sense that it's not, it's certain beach. Yes. But all the, the gyms around here, it's mostly expats. Mm -hmm. I would say the, the, definitely the majority, but yeah, I never thought about that in Bali because you go to Changu or Kuda or, you know, these different areas, it's probably, where is the expat spot in Bali? Only probably it's Chenggu, like, yeah. but, but it's probably a, a good mix of like almost 50-50 of maybe people that are only there for one month, two months, three months. I, I would say, look, I, I personally like a boot in Bali and I found the reason for that, it's more open. There's less tourists because, it's, you know, the rice fields and coffee shops and cafes and then you go to Chenggu and it's like horrible. And what's, what's the airport area? Dempitsar? Yeah, that was horrible. Oh, and then Kuda is Kuda's like the like where the bomb the bombings were. Yeah. Uh, with yeah. the big clubs and the hard yeah. rocks there. Yeah. I, I found that airport area was absolutely horrible. We had to stay there at night and it uh, felt like Hadia times ten. Yeah, it's, it's like Patong Patai. No. Yeah. 
Bitong, I'm not a big fan of. The soy is amazing. But Thailand has this weird, where Bali doesn't. Thailand's got this weird thing. If you've been living here enough, you can see the expats from the tourists. You can walk down the road, go onto the beach, and you can see which ones are tourists, which ones are expats. And the Thais can see that as well. It's weird. It's, it's just a mm-hmm. weird thing. Um, well, some, it's... I, the way I, like my, I, I don't know if it's an analogy to explain it. It's when you live in Asia long enough, you can be like, you're Korean, you're Chinese, you're Filipino. Yeah. <laughs> if you ask me, how do you know? I'm like, I don't, I can't explain how I know. I just, it's the just mannerisms, know. it's the energy, yeah. and it's the same for the tourist. Uh, I mean, I guess for the tourist, it's pretty easy to spot a Russian in a white t-shirt with the, the helmet on the, the motorbike and, and half a signal on looking for a road. Okay, this is a tourist, 100%. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I kind of use that as well with like Asians living in Asia. You just, I can just tell that person's South Korean or that person's Filipino just by looking at them. But yeah. I don't know how. But in, see, in Bali, you can't. You can't. It's mm. very difficult to see which ones are expats. Because if you go to a beach club in Bali, maybe, I'd say maybe one quarter might be expats, people actually living there. But they've sort of taken on the, I think they take on the same lifestyle as a continued tourist. If that makes sense, it's like they're living in a long-term tourist role. Yeah, and then you're never really grounded or settled. Yes. For me personally, like we were even thinking to go up to Chiang Mai and do like three months or four months. I'm like, ah, no, I'd go for a year, maybe. But then what? And I think uh, the way I actually thought about doing it is finding another person like me that would do a house swap. Be like, you got a place, I got a place, but let's commit to a year. And like, that's it. There's, there's, there's no getting out of this contract. And then I, I, this way, I don't think you have to adjust your home too much. Cause when you start to live in a place for over a couple of years, even though you, you maybe not own it and rent it, it starts to look like a home. Yeah. You, you put effort into right. it. You put effort to changing it to, it becomes more you. It's like sort of a, a, a virtual reality of how you see things around you and you make it like that and that's yours. And then when you move, you've got to root all that up. You got to start over again. Well, a it costs you money, and then second thing, it's time, and then it's stress. Um, we just moved house as well about a week ago before coming here, and it's. I, I'm not a type of person that moves into a place and that's it. I paint things, I change things, yeah. I change the bum guns, I change taps, I change bulbs, I want yellow globes. I, you know, it's, it's so much that you do because that's you, and you want to put that into the place. And if you don't, you're uncomfortable. Yeah, it's that that feeling of like you said, you're not. You're not grounded. Yeah. You don't come home and be like, oh, you know, I feel good. There's something that needs to change the whole time. Yeah, it's like it's the same thing that you said. Every time I, I hit a hotel room, my girlfriend was like, okay, put the bag down and go. And I'm like, no, I can't. I, my OC, I don't have OCD. It's just my, my, my structured brain. We like everything has to be ready to go like I'm at home before I can leave the store. Or otherwise, like I'll go out and just think about it. Yeah. Um, do you think, are there any other locations around the world that can compete with Bali and Phuket? Like I've really kind of thought about that. Maybe places in Spain or Turkey. Um, I guess Tulum is on the upcoming as well. Because uh, I, I, you're involved in that digital nomad community and working online. Like what are your other options if you were to leave Southeast Asia? So I, I think I'd have to leave Southeast Asia specifically. I, I wouldn't really go to Europe. It's a completely different culture. I haven't been, I'm not really well-traveled in Europe, um, Italy, Paris, you know, those regions, but again, more the touristy side of it. But I think from a cultural perspective and a lifestyle perspective, it's not the same. I chose Asia because I want that culture, I want that, that lifestyle. 
Um, so it would have to be somewhere similar. Um, I mean, I hear people of up and coming things they're talking about, like Vietnam apparently and Cambodia now trying mm. to get a lot of expats coming there as well and sort of make it like a second Thailand or maybe even a second Bali, for instance. Um, if you look at Singapore, many people go there and then like, yeah, you know, I hear like two, three years later, like, oh, no, it's become small. Ah, it's so expensive there. And the lifestyle, yeah. It's, yeah. Too crazy. it's like Dubai. We've got a lot of mates moving to Dubai. And I'm like, yeah, okay, Dubai is great. But it's one big desert with a city on it with fake seas, fake beaches. And then you've got to pay for all the fake stuff. It's not really a great lifestyle. Maybe maybe Cambodia. I think there's a Korong. Um, they could start developing out there. I mean, you always want to be at the beach near an island or something. And I yeah. think you have Ukwak. You've got some great, you've got some, so we were going to do a Cambodia trip. Um, and this was like, Three months into the start of the COVID thing, we were going to do um, a whole, whole Cambodia trip. I wanted to go to so many of the places that I've read about, um, you know, the whole historical history Anchor side Watt. of it. Yeah, I wanted to go see all that because I've read the books, I've read the stories. Um, and then we were going to go down to one of the islands that's actually right on the, the sort of the border where Thailand and Cambodia is. There's a, a, an island. But I it think falls it's on, Koh Rong. I think it might be yeah. that one. We were going to do that. You take a... a boat across and you actually got to hike across the island before sunset mm. so they actually say to you you have to get there at a certain time because you yourself they tell you there's the path go and you hike across you get to the other side there's no electricity nothing um they've got that got gas and solar to run the fridges yeah they're all like eco-friendly yeah. type of resort you've got yeah. no reception on your cell phone you've got no so we wanted to do that you got a little tent on the beach um and then yeah, everything collapsed but i think if you want that's like way off the grid though yeah it's very different um, and it's not as touristy because people want a hotel. They don't want, they want to be pampered. <laughs> yeah. And not everybody wants to go and rough it sometimes. Um, and you don't want to do that every day. Um, but I think Cambodia does have some places up and coming. It's got good, good history. Um, again, you're getting that cultural experience. You're still getting the lifestyle that you're getting in Thailand and maybe Bali as well. Um, Bali, unfortunately, is becoming too busy. I think if I listen to my friends that are experts there and stuff as well, they're, just, they're starting to hate it. And they want to leave now. And I saw the videos, man. I, like, you think Bangkok's bad with traffic? Well, Bali, I, I've probably said this multiple times on the podcast. People don't realize the population of the island is 4 million. The whole island. It's like at peak. It's I, a I huge, didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> 4 million people. And it's bumper to bumper wherever you want to go. So I, I was first there in 2008. It was great. I think that book, Eat, Pray, Love, messed it all up. That's what I, I, my understanding, I was there 2008, I was living in Australia and I went there for two weeks and you could go on a motorbike from, we were at that time we were staying at Kuda, Changu didn't exist then. Mm. And you could go pretty much from that Seminyak, Ch or even, yeah, even up to Seminyak all the way down to Uluwatu on a motorbike, no traffic. And then the next time I went would have been 2014, 15. And I was like, what the hell happened here? And then I went a few times more and every time I went, I was like, why am I here? And then you get out and you land in Phuket and then you feel like you're on vacation. Um, yeah, Bali, it's, 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 I don't know if I'll be making a trip back anytime soon just because of the traffic. And when you, even when you stay in Changu, like you're stuck to that location. It'd kind of be like being in any area on Phuket and you really don't want to go anywhere because it's bumper to bumper motorbike traffic. I mean, imagine it was bumper to bumper from Surin to Patong. That's how I kind of like vision, like explain what is horrible. Bali. It's horrible. horrible. Um, the other thing, and we're going to jump back into kind of your expertise and I want to dig a little bit deeper in there. How, how are we on time so far? 30 minutes. Oh, perfect. Um, 
the one thing I was thinking as well, and I think that's probably what you're touching on with Europe and that lifestyle. I've thought about Spain. And then the one thing that pulls me away is like, they wake up late and they go to eat dinner at 8 p.m. It's like, I'm in bed at 8.39. I'm like, I'm not going out to dinner with friends unless it's maybe a Friday or a Saturday. Having dinner at 9 p.m., like, oh, it's just that lifestyle I don't, I don't know how they connect with because I much would prefer to get up at 5.30, do a bunch of stuff till 8, and maybe have a nap in the afternoon and kind of, again, be in bed at 9. I, I don't, I don't yeah. understand that lifestyle. I don't think I could ever connect to that. Italy's got the same. They've got that siesta thing yeah. in the afternoon. That's the weirdest thing. Two o'clock, you want to go get a coffee and everything's closed. Mm -hmm. Okay, come back in an hour. You've got to be quiet. We got, I got moaned at for doing some stuff in the park. Some old lady shouting at us. Hey, keep quiet sleeping time, basically, in Italian, though. It wasn't yeah. as soft. It was more violent than that. <laughs> it's a weird culture that you got to get used to. I'm happy with the culture here. I love it. Thailand's got good culture. I think Bali might be a bit similar. Yeah. But... European, again, you're splitting. It's like a completely different side again. Um, I, I prefer get up at sun, sunrise, go to bed at sunset. It's a good sunrise and it's a good sunset. Yeah, and it's very, it, here it's quite consistent. Not like Canada, Canada's, I don't know how it is in South Africa, but Canada's all over the place. One time of the year, the sun's down at 10 p.m. Uh, the next time it gets up at like 7 a.m., it goes down at 4 p.m. It's all over the place. And we, we, I think ours is about an hour difference when it comes to winter. It gets darker earlier and it, you know, the sun comes up later, but it's not as bad. Um, it could have advantages, but let's, so let's jump into your, your field of expertise and, and most of the lister, listeners that are going to jump on will probably be your audience. And, uh, hopefully they've, they've already skipped to this part on the chapter. Um, how did you get into CrossFit and what, uh, we'll make it kind of a more like in-depth question that you can just run with. How did you get into CrossFit and what are these, the levels of expertise in CrossFit? So, you know, like what, what goals are you chasing? How do you obtain them? And I guess that could go for anyone listening out there that might just be getting involved now. So, you know, CrossFit is well. when I got into CrossFit first, somebody introduced me to CrossFit. They said, hey, man, have you checked out these gyms? In South Africa, the community is very different from Thailand. Thailand, there's like a handful of CrossFit gyms. In South Africa, you can walk from one to the other and they're all busy. And weird enough, you know, people people go to one specific community and they they that's their community. They might go to a class at another community, but they still come back to their community. But the community as a whole is still one. You know, you'll go support each other's events and stuff, but nobody really loses business. And if somebody wants to go to another community, great. You know, maybe this there's something yeah that wasn't really for them. It's very different to Thailand. Um, and I think if you look at the states and that as well, it's similar because they've got so many of these gyms. You'll go to an event on a weekend in South Africa. CrossFit event, you've got a thousand people competing. I mean, you're like, you're an individual male and there's 250 other. You come here to Thailand, there's 30. It's a bit different. Mm -hmm. And people go, well, it's a big event. Not really, um, but it's getting there. Um, so the CrossFit thing, I was introduced to CrossFit. I thought, oh, this is amazing. Damn, like, where have I been? Um, I was on the functional training side. We started doing like these, you know, in, in Thailand, you've got the Spartan races, we've got the Warrior race out there. Similar vibe. We were doing those types of things. And yeah, we got stronger and we got fitter. And I mean, from when I did Muay Thai to when I would say I was a couple of years into the strength and conditioning, I put on 20 kilos. Big difference. Um, I mean, I fought at 62 kgs and then jumping up to about 80, now walking around about 85. It's a huge difference, but I feel damn good. Um, got into the CrossFit side um, and that's where things really started changing. Got a lot stronger. I made so many mistakes. Um, along the way learning and that and 
I'm like, I really like the CrossFit thing and I decided I'm going to do my L1. So did the L1 and I think this was... What, sorry, what does that mean? Okay, L, so, just for anyone that is like, what does he mean by L1? Right, so L1, CrossFit has different certifications. So you've got to start at L1, which is your level one. Level one is basically a step in the door. It gives you the the um, ability to become a CrossFit coach. Um, but a lot of people, you know, I would say they, they see, okay, I'm going to become L1, level one, and that's it. No, that's like sort of a step in the door. That is just a small tip of a really large iceberg that's never ending in growth. Um, so you do your L1, um, and that gives you sort of the authority to start becoming a CrossFit coach. It's your fundamental movements. It's the theory behind it. Um, you do a little bit of practical work and stuff as well. Um, and it's like a two-day thing. You become a CrossFit coach. Um, and it also gives you the ability. You, so you have to have a level one if you want to become an affiliate owner. An affiliate owner is basically you open your own CrossFit facility under the CrossFit name. That's it. Like you got Bungtao MMA and CrossFit. And you got like Unit 27, which is Strength and Conditioning. And they've got the CrossFit side. So to become an affiliate, you have to be at least an L1 to register. What, what's um, the advantage? I mean, can I not just call it uh, open a gym and I train, teach, I have a class for CrossFit, fit, but just call it like functional training? So, all right. Functional training, great. So what is functional training? It means, well, it's something that's got a function, but most things have a function as well. If I do a snatch, it's actually a functional movement. You think about guys at construction work, he's got a cement, he wants to lift it up. You're snatching it up there. It's functional. Um, and obviously it has, you know, carryover into sports and these types of things as well. But CrossFit is like F45. I can't open a gym and say, oh, I'm going to do like F45 style and call it F, you know, something else. It's F45. CrossFit's the same. You, you've you got sort of um, the authority to use the CrossFit name. Um, I'm not allowed to, let's say I go to a facility that is not an affiliate. I can't say I'm running CrossFit classes. What happens? I mean, we're in Thailand. What happens if you just do it? So there's actually people know. I mean, you've got CrossFit Southeast Asia and you've got like a head of the region. So we've got an amazing head on this side. Her name's Yurias. She's like, so she's sort of in charge of the, the Southeast Asia CrossFit you know, community and the affiliates. And she looks after them. And if these guys, you do see these guys pop up every once in a while, like, oh, you know, CrossFit classes, then they sort of, oh, you, are you an affiliate? No, you're not an affiliate. Please take that down. Or if you want to become an affiliate, he has the roots. Um, so then, you know, some of the guys were like, okay, cool. You know, we've got an L1. What, what are those repercussions if they're like, ah, oh, fuck you. I'm just going to keep, like, can, can yeah, they be well, sued? Yes, can, lawsuit. You'll get a lawsuit. Okay. So, That's you know, CrossFit's actually got a very powerful um, um, backing behind it and you'll get a lawsuit. So you'll first get an email. Yeah. Um, it'll be a warning and that. And if you don't you know, take it down, you'll get a lawsuit against you. And that's fair. And that's worldwide. Um, so they, they got, they probably can back it up in any country they want. They yeah. Have. Anywhere you can be in the, like the most remote place. You can be on one of the islands here in, Phuket, yeah. in, in Thailand and yeah, they will, they'll come down to you. And yeah. I think the community looks after each other as well. So the affiliates look after each other because you want to protect the CrossFit name and you want to sort of uphold CrossFit's had many instances where they've been slammed and they still get slammed now as well. Um, you still see some of these influencers use it as clickbait and like, you know, CrossFit's absolute crap or something. And they post something about that. And then it's just clickbait, you know, it's yeah. like you, you actually know nothing about what you're talking. Um, so that's your sort of your step in the door. And once you've got your L1, you've got your level one, you can open affiliate if you want to, or you just continue your coaching career. But that's not, that's not all of it. From there, that's sort of your, your starting point of your growth. So you're going to add to that. You can do, you know, your strength and conditioning PT. You can do um, weightlifting specializations, gymnastic specializations, or within CrossFit as well. Under that umbrella. Yeah, you can. You can do it under the same CrossFit umbrella or there's external. I mean, you can do 
CrossFit's got Bergener weightlifting, or you can go and do you know the Chinese weightlifting if you want to, but it still falls under your 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 skill belt. You're still growing. Um, at the same time, you're sort of getting deeper into CrossFit. You start coaching it. It's methodology, using it and and applying it, and you see it works. CrossFit works. I mean, if you look at Physical 100, I don't know if you watched Physical 100, this Korean series, the new one. People raved about it in Thailand, and they took. I think it was like 100 of the fittest in, in um, South Korea. And they got all these challenges they're going to put together. And it wasn't only, only uh, South Koreans. They had different uh, nationalities there as well. But it was from bodybuilders to powerlifters to CrossFit to, I think they had like track and field. They had many different gymnasts. CrossFit came out mm. on top. Why? Because they're the most well-rounded. They're exposed to everything. Um, and, you know, okay, so let, let's get into the, the from how do you, work up the chain from there you're going to yeah let's two. let's get into understanding kind of like uh like jujitsu's and, and their belt system yeah. understanding the level system what is the pin what is the pinnacle and is it a level five and what are all the differences along the way so from l1 you're going to go to level two level two is more when you do your level two it's more on a a coaching side so level one you've got your theory and your fundamental movements and that now you've got a certain gap a certain time and amount of hours that you have to put in to apply for your level two, you go do your level two. Again, it's, you know, you sit with these flow masters for a weekend um, and you've got, you've got a whole lot of practical work now you're going to do. So now they dig into the coaching side of CrossFit. It's now not the fundamentals anymore. It's not the theory. It's about how you are as a coach. So they teach you, um, you know, just small things, looking at a class, like how to fix movements, how to coach properly. You become more of a coach. Um, or then to, how to group a class like okay this yeah, fat this you know, fat person <laughs> even small things yeah, I, I mean I, I had an amazing flow master where to stand yeah as a coach to get the most view like angles these types of things, what to look for so i mean if a guy comes in he's got 10 problems when he's doing a movement you don't go and coach him on all 10 problems you're going to lose that client he's going to be out the door he's like oh well, i'm such a crap person you're going to look at the biggest problem that you can fix there with the smallest amount of words with the most impact and then the next time you'll take, okay, now he's, we're working on that. Next time you fix something else. And that's the thing. You see these people post videos of their class and somebody will quote, oh, look at all these people. They're doing such crap movements. Well, that coach has probably fixed all their major movements. The next step, it's a, it's a process. It's yeah. not just you're going to come in and all of a sudden I do a perfect snatch. Nobody's got a perfect snatch. Damn it. You're going to work on that for years. So now you go again through the process. You do a couple of hours, not a couple of hours. It's like 750 hours. Um, and then you can apply for your level three. Now, level three is now you can become a certified CrossFit coach. Um, so what they do is you basically need to know everything about CrossFit. Like talking a pile of papers like this, all the videos, you name it. You need to know it like the back of your hand. How it's many, hard. like a level beginning day one, you're going after level one and it's, it's as fast as possible to fast track that. How could you, how long would it take to obtain a level three? You're talking 10 years? No, I would say if you, if you put in the work and you're actively coaching, maybe four, okay. maybe five years, it, it's just, it's not, it's not really about getting the paperwork. It's about getting the experience behind it as well. It doesn't help you know the information, but you can't apply the information. Um, so once you've got the level three, now you're certified and that's, that's hard. So you go in, you do a four hour exam and it, you know, they've got these Pearson testing centers around the world where you go, you're like under camera, you're not allowed to take anything with you, you need to pee, you put up your hand, they watch you in the bathroom, that type of thing. Um, but once you get that L3, you're now certified. So you're a CFL3, Certified CrossFit Coach. Um, and 
it's weird. Everything changes. You don't do recertifications anymore. Now you've got to do continued education. So you've got a certain amount of CEUs you have to do every two years. You actually have to actively be coaching to keep your certification. You can't recertify anymore, which is great. It's nice. Yeah, it's, it's similar. Like, I was in project management back in Canada. It's the same thing. Like uh, to be a project manager, certified as a project manager, yeah. you can't just get it and do nothing for 10 years and come back and be a project manager. Oh, no, and I get to, that. Yeah. They want to refresh you and keep going. Um, and, and yourself currently you're at level, I'm at level three now, level three now. So I've been, I've been level three for about two years now. Mm. Yeah. About two years. Level so you're three. constantly, I mean, you have to push yourself to stay active. Like what is that maintenance plan where to, uh, hold that level three, are they testing you as well every once in a while to so, make sure you're still there? No, what they do is they, they give you these CEUs. So you got like a graph on your, you got your own little you know, portfolio now as well. You're now certified. Um, and on that graph, you've got a certain amount of CEUs you have to fill. So you've got to do your 35 CEUs. And I like that because it's continued education. And, and the coaching, you know, you'll be 60, 70 and in the coaching field and you'll still know nothing. That makes sense. It's just so much. And there's so many things changing as well. You've got to keep that education going. You've got to keep researching. You've got to keep studying. And not just within CrossFit. There's a broad spectrum as well. You've got to really get into it. Studying um, what? From everything? From everything. nutrition? You know, nutrition, strength and conditioning. If you look at CrossFit, I mean, CrossFit's got CrossFit Health now. They've got nutrition and it's really good. But that's it, not, you can go deeper. You can go outside that as well. You can go outside that pool and go into different pools as well. So strength and conditioning, weightlifting, gymnastics, it all falls under the same thing because it's about health. It's about feeling good. It's about performance. Um, but they do have a list of specific ones for your CEUs that you have to do. If you want to study stuff outside, that's great. But there's a specific list, CrossFit's own list, and there is like sort of affiliates with CrossFit where you can go study as well and that you can get your points. Mm -hmm. And then you need active hours. So every two years, you have to have a certain amount of hours. So hence, I mean, I coach. I don't coach for money, to be honest. I, I do it because I love it. I can be a millionaire and I still want to coach. I will still want to be there. It's, it's amazing being in the community, being able to coach and see, you know, you can tell somebody one small thing and it changes their entire experience for that week. And it's just like, wow. You know, and they grow upon that. There's something about that. And even if you're doing just online coaching, I mean, you sit behind a laptop. There's, there's a skill that you've now taken away. And it's nice to continue. I'll never stop. I'll never stop Wait, is there not certain things like, um, okay, so I'm getting into the mushroom supplements and I get a lot of questions. I, maybe I'm just impatient with people. That could be it. I don't know. <laughs> I'll get people, they'll message me like, ah, you know, how many capsules to take per day? And what about this? I'm like, scan the damn thing, read it. Like they'll ask you a question where they did no effort. Like if you read the back of the bottle, it says this. So my, the, the point of this question is more, what are these like questions that, you know, can kind of get under the skin as a CrossFit coach. And I'm, and because I've been involved at training at Bangtown Muay Thai and MMA and I come into the gym, I'm very observant and I'm watching it. And I have to imagine these coaches, if you tell them your damn injury one more time, they're going to blow their brains out. Someone always comes in and is going to say, you know, j just everyone has their problems, I feel. And I feel that your injury problems coming into these gyms gets dumped on on, on coaches, does that become a burden that you're like, I don't want to hear it anymore? Or is that something you kind of lean into and you know, I will help every single person that tells me about their damn shoulder injury from jumping off a rope at the age of seven. Okay. So you do get that. You do. I would say the, the worst thing is people are damn lazy. Okay. Like, you know, we've become so soft. It's like everybody's now become soft cookies. CrossFit's going to make you a hard cookie, but in a good way. Um, I think, 
people have this misconception about CrossFit being damn hard and it looks scary and stuff, but they see the games. They see the CrossFit games on TV. And it's like anything else. It's the extreme version of CrossFit. It's not the performance, the daily performance side of it. Um, and they see this and they're like, oh, well, all these strong, big women, I don't want to be like it. Well, you probably never will. So don't worry. Like, you know, I don't want to get bulky. You know, you never will. And that, that's one of the biggest things, especially here in Asia. I get that a lot. Um, majority female clients come in and they're like, oh, I want to I really do CrossFit, but I want big muscles. It's like a cultural thing as well. You know, and I, I think weak, you know, weak men are scared of strong women, period. Um, and maybe they think, okay, well, they're not going to get a man to look after them. Oh, hell, you know, be a strong woman. Um, that's the biggest question I get is, you know, I don't, I don't want to get big muscles. You won't. I mean, you, I've seen people in, uh, I mean, in the same facility, they started, they still look the same. You've got to really change. Like if you really want to change your body, it's great. You're moving, you're getting stronger, you're getting fitter. But if you really want to change your body, you've got to change your habits as well. You've got to change your food, how you do things, your sleep. It's not just, oh, I'm going to pick up a weight and all of a sudden I'm going to get massive biceps. It doesn't work like that. I mean, I've been in the fitness industry like 14 years. I'm not a massive dude. Yeah, I'm strong. I can do stuff. But if I really want to change more, I've got to put in more effort. But I'm happy what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the biggest question is that. like, you know, I don't want to become a bulky yeah. woman. You won't. Um, guys as well, I think the biggest question is, you know, I want to get bigger. Well, you're going to eat more. And I, th- I think CrossFit has its limitations on getting big. I mean, I, I was, I guess, yeah. what, what is Bangtao doing? Is that CrossFit? Yeah, they do. CrossFit. Essentially, is that CrossFit? The I morning, know, the morning really. class, the yeah. strength. It's not strength and conditioning. It's they no, call it like guys. They kind of call it hit. So that's not uh, gonna make you big though. <laughs> no, no, for sure. But what I found was I was doing it for six months, pretty consistent. And even the pro athletes, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not tooting my own horn here, but the pro, the definitely people in way better shape than me, like just by looking them, because but looking at them because I was doing it for so long, my cardio hit another level. Where like I could just keep going and going, and even um, some of the coaches there, I'm like, it was getting too easy. But the pro- problem I they would say is the they can't push too hard because there's so many new people. So like you kind of got stuck in some of these classes where like honestly I I could do it no problem and I get a little bit bored. The only classes that got me pushed were would be there would be someone else in the class, and it would kind of maybe be a circuit like there's eight exercises. And you have 40 minutes to do it five times. And I would just put my eye on the fastest one and just try to keep up. That would kick the shit out of me. I, I would probably die. or If we had to do five, I'd die around like round three or four. But I could keep up. But anything else where it's kind of just like going with the flow, I, I'd start to lose a little bit of interest. Maybe because they're not changing the routine too much. Do you see that problem a lot in, in CrossFit gyms where maybe those gyms, they if you're going there for five or six months, it becomes a bit mundane or similar and those routines aren't really changing? No, period. Um, you know, there is that thing about, okay, well, if you look at CrossFit, it looks like you're doing just a bunch of nonsense and it's not really the same. So what you're doing there, I mean, that's that hit routine. Maybe they've got a, a circuit set up. You do maybe a bunch of movement. Maybe you're doing a push, pull, a hinge, a squat. And you do that every single day. Maybe the movements just change and that. That's different. With CrossFit, you know, maybe it had some bad rep back in the day as well. And yes, you know, those coaches, they get L1 and they make mistakes. And I'm sure most of them have learned from that as well. Um, and there was a high instance of some injuries. But, you know, if you look at triathletes, they still get the most injuries. Getting back to it, the programming might look varied. And, what when you know, when you see about CrossFit as well, it's like, yeah, it's, it's varied movements. 
what they mean by that is actually on the metabolic side, on the Metcon. That's that high-intensity section. And your workout is split, actually. So you've got your warm-up, you've got your prep. That would be specific to your workouts for the day. And then you've got your strength, your strength part of your sort of your plan. And what people don't realize is majority gyms, they will actually program for their community. It's not something like, okay, you know, every affiliate in the gym in the world has got to do this program. It's not how it works. You've got the methodology and you've got people in your facility that will actually program for your community. And you need to do that because each community is pretty unique and you've got a certain group of people and you'll see as you mold them through the coaching and through the programming, where their weaknesses lie, where their strengths lie, where you need to push more. And you sort of build your skeleton. So let's say you've got your strength portion and you're going to do a six to eight week, we're going to be doing squat focus. Or maybe we're going to do weightlifting focus. We're going to go clean and jerk and maybe snatch. So we're going to rotate. Um, and you plug that in. And then from there, you'll plug in your Metcons. And your Metcons, you know, your deal. So CrossFit's got these wonderful things called, um, you know, your girl workouts. Your it's, it's basically like your sort of something you can retest over and over again. Um, and these are your your high-intensity section might be your long ones, your short ones. You need a mix of that so you get all the exposure. But you're getting your strength there. It's not like I'm going to go every day and I'm going to do just running or I'm going to do just lifting something. It's a mix. And that gives you that variation. So your variation is giving you the change in the body, but your strength is still, you know, that's the part where it's going to um, make you stronger. Yeah, that's kind of like the uh, the, SA, the S&C classes at Bangtow. They're more structured like yeah, that. S&C, strength and conditioning. Yeah, they're very straight. structured. They, they'll, they'll set that up. Yes, we're doing chest S&C every Monday and they focus on that, but they're building you up uh, obviously through different levels of, R of, of RPE, we call it, um, that rate of excursion. Yeah. And next week, you know, it's okay, let's do five reps at 80%. Next week, four reps at 60 and blah, blah, blah. But they you, okay, they you set sound, that up. You sound like somebody that actually tracks and logging your workouts and logging your reps. That's fantastic. It's good when you just said that and I was like, okay, working at 80%. And I would say like, you know, more than 50% don't, don't actually do that. They'll go into the gym, they do the workout. Then next week they come into the gym, they do the workout. And they're like, okay, today guys, you need to do, you know, 75% of your one rep max. Usually it's your RPE. That rate yeah, how would you know that exertion. with their data? It's impossible. But if you're not tracking, you're not growing. How, how do I know if last week I did 50 kgs on, maybe I did 50 kgs on a strict press and this week I need, I need to do 50% and I've never done my one RM. I've never tracked. How do I know? Now I'm going in there. Okay, I feel like doing this. I did a bit of work and I can, oh, you said three months later and like oh, i just feel like i'm not changing i'm not growing well if you're not tracking how do you know if you're changing how do you know when to push how do you know what that weight is when they tell you do five reps at 70 percent exactly. exactly. i have an app called je fit i've been using it for five years and i it it allows me to like build custom workouts but oh, then nice. i i know like that if i was doing bench at 80 percent for four reps and next week I need to do three reps at 80%. It you'll see yeah. exactly what you did last week and it will and you can just check like on this little chart. And then it kind of gives you the idea what you can push for instead of just guessing. And it's all automated. So that at least every week, especially when you go back, you're not gonna remember how many sets and reps you did on bench for you know that specific one, especially if like you for me, I'll try to do like 32 different uh maybe sets. And I'll be in there for two and a half hours. Wow. Okay. But I can't, I, I, I have to use this app. And, um, but you've got direction then. Yeah, so oh, I need it. Like, I need you know, structure. You get these guys that go in the gym, they sit on their phone, they do a little bit of this, they sit on their phone again, they do a little bit of that. Like, oh, you're wasting your time. Like you could have gone for a walk and probably got more benefit in the sun. And No, I have, mine even has like, everything's on a timer. So it's, it's like, 
it's I it's done. I hit it, and I do really long rests, but that's when I'm lifting. So if yeah, I'm doing you want that, yeah, if I'm doing like a set of, and I usually like chest bench. I'll just do bench, max maybe five reps, maybe seventy percent, but then it's like a two minute rest. And I know I was reading more about that. Like if you have the time, do it. Like take two minutes. Uh, apparently, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? A lot of the Russians were saying this. These long rests between when you're heavy yeah. lifting. If you're doing heavy lifting, rest long. So you can, you know, yeah. you want the higher efficiency on it. If you're doing it, it depends. Obviously, if you're dro dropping it down, um, yeah, you can take, you know, small rest. But if you're doing heavy lifting, 90 seconds plus, definitely. Yeah. You know, power lifters, you see them. They'll do one lift, uh, anything more than two, and it's cardio. Mm. Straightforward. Yeah. They, they take, like, really long periods. Maybe they do, like, five lifts, and it takes them 30 minutes. But they're doing almost 100%. Yeah. Very different to somebody in CrossFit. And, and your goals change as well. Um, mm. Your goals will definitely change. In other words, it's based about what you want out. Um, but with CrossFit, I think, you know, CrossFit really is for everybody. And the tracking side is very important. And it doesn't really matter. If I look at you know, online coaching as well, if you're somebody that comes to me and you're, you know, you're not, you know, no one performance, I'm still going to give you sort of the same metrics and that as well. You still need to track. You still need to grow. I'm still going to teach you how to choose weights because I'm not going to put weights down for you. But I'm going to teach you how to select your weights that you're going to get the maximum benefit, how to rest. You know, if you see 50%, you know what, what the 50% is. You see a word, you know what that word is. I want to teach you so that you're equipped. I mean, if you stop working with me, I want you to be equipped. I don't want you to have to rely on somebody again. If you want to, it's great. Accountability is amazing. I mean, I have coaches for, I have coaches for business. I have coaches for myself. I have, I suck. I think I still suck at some movements and stuff. And you've got to get help. And it's great to have that accountability, but it's great to be empowered as well and to know. Um, and I mean, I'm a coach. I don't really get annoyed with people asking me questions over and over again. Um, eventually, I'm going to say, hey, man, you know, I have put it up here. So next time, just go and take a look. <laughs> and then if they ask me again, I'm like, well, you know, he has a link to where I did put it. <laughs> you know, you, you're still going to do it in a nice way. Um, I think people are just getting lazy and become accustomed to having things all the I time. I think, yeah, they just want answers. Uh, yeah, right it's. Up. It's it's nice to be empowered. Uh, I, I want to jump into a quick. Just double check the time. The YouTube algorithms. We're an hour. We're an hour. Okay. Um, we'll jump into one more question. And like I explained before before you came, these type of uh, podcasts on the, the initial ones it allows us to get to know the guest, and especially because you're you're you'll be back here. That's when on on another another episode, if you come back and you have time, then that's when I prefer we really dig deep into the science behind it. This just allows my audience and your audience to learn about yourself and on the next one they it gives them some opportunity to ask those technical questions um just kind of on a final note to kind of to let you run with that you have this tool belt whether it's for crossfit whether it's for personal coaching nutrition um general well-being it could be meditation it could be just lifestyle as you develop in your career what's missing from that belt what do you need to add <clears throat> Or maybe just sharpen. So, so you think what what I have yeah, what, what, like in general, in general, like for yourself, whether it's maybe you're missing nothing, but you everyone knows that what they're good at, what they're not good at. And we have that tool belt that we I mean, that's the analogy that we wear around. Is there a, a, like a long term plan of things that might be missing from that belt you want to add or just general your belt? What are you looking to sharpen? What's the future plans for you? So I, I would like to continue to develop within CrossFit. And I think my weaknesses still personally lie within uh, weightlifting. As I, it, it's weird enough. It's something that I love the most is doing weightlifting. And I'm currently actually doing a six-month 
weightlifting cycle only. Small Metcons. And I'm seeing the benefit. I mean, yeah, my body weight's gone up. My gymnastics are sucking a bit. But I'm seeing the improvement within the strength. And it's, you feel good. I, you know, this weekend, walking into the entire weightlifting ladder at the comp, uh, we had that awesome comp down in Bangtao. To go into the ladder and know I can do every single weight there, it's still nerve-wracking. I mean, your legs are numb. You've got all these people watching you. and You know, accidents and stuff have happened. But to know that you can do all of that, it's amazing. I think personally, I could still develop more on that. So on a weightlifting side, I really want to develop more. Yes, I've helped many people and I've coached many people with their weightlifting journeys and, and that. But I still want to dig deeper, um, especially when it comes to like more um, sort of specialization within clean and jerk. Would it be like the, the science behind it or the technique? I want to be able to teach. You, you know, th that's the thing. You've got 10 people in a room and those 10 people might absorb information differently. I want to be able to teach them the same thing, different methods. Mm. Um, so I think on a weightlifting side, that on a theory side, especially on CrossFit, I want more. And on SNC, I want more. It's never ending. And I think CrossFit as well has got so much information. I, I don't know all that information. I studied it. And it's hordes of information, but it's like being a lawyer. You're always going to refer back. You have your references, your reference books. And I get questions from clients sometimes. I'll be like, yeah, I know the answer, but I'll get back to you. And, and to be able to still it retain it and just pull it's it out. It's hard. That's man. why we got the yeah. lion's mane. That's, uh, <laughs> it's, pull, it's pulling that information out. <laughs> Throw it in there. Exactly. Um, but would you, now you, you said you're, when we first met, you're doing similar stuff as Phil as like yeah. online, um, online coaching yeah. and, and dealing with these, these clients. Now you're dealing with them remotely or do you end up working with them remotely and seeing them in real life as well? All right, so I've got clients actually all around the world. I would say majority of my clients are not actually in Thailand. Um, currently, as we speak, I'm full. I don't take any more clients currently um, because I do other stuff as well. I want time and I, I value time for myself as well now. Um, and it's weird, I teach that to my clients and now I'm actually doing it myself. So I back off and when I have a drop off of a client, which happens, you know, three months, six months, they go out and, uh, okay, I've got my, you know, my safety gear, my pedal boat, I can do it myself. Um, I think... <clears throat> You know, going forward, um, actually, I forgot what we were going to say. Well, well, it's it's um more when you're when you're dealing with these clients, oh, yeah, and yeah. they're coming to you, and and like you were doing similar with Phil, like how how are uh, I guess my more more importantly on that was like, are they all the same? Because again, you're wearing these tool belts. You got nutrition. You got CrossFit. Are they coming to you from all different problems, and you're still able to help them on everything? So these clients come to me, and I've got. Like, I've got a range of clients. I've got from people that I want to get better in their sports. So one of the girls that competed this weekend, I'm helping her actually online as mm. well. Um, I've got people that just want to feel better. I've got guys over 50 that they, they just want to perform more. So I, I work more on, I've got a, I've got a sort of a, a, I would say like a skeleton plan and the skeleton plan is there, but it applies differently to each person based on their goals. So it's, everyone's going to be different. Everybody's it could be, unique. It could be uh, maybe even for personal growth. It could be for- 100%. I've got one guy that's, you know, Weird thing is, all he needs is the accountability. He does 10-minute workouts three times a week. Mm. But he needs that push. He needs that, that thing. And I work more on his habits. Where another guy will be more on his performance in the facility. Each person's different. It's never a one-size-fits-all. But we do everything from your nutrition to your habits to your stress to even the sunshine, your movement. Um, training is actually only like 10% of most people's you know, longevity and outcome. And, that. and you, you need to look at everything else because training is just the stressor. But you need all the other things around that to make sure that stressor becomes a strength. When you're dealing with other coaches in your 
uh, in your industry and uh, you're bouncing ideas off them like you probably would with Phil. Um, is there a ceiling and scalability being a to uh, being a coach because of time of time restrictions? You only have X amount of hours in a day. I can only charge. This is my my fee. How do I scale that unless we start to clone you? So, you know, I think when you're starting out, it's a bit different. You go more for volume. And as you start getting your experience through the years and that your time becomes more valuable. And, you know, there's that saying about the guy that, you know, they get the ship to come in and that rudder, they, they get a whole bunch of quotes and they can't get it to, to work, this, this rudder on this massive ship. And they get this old dude to come in and he looks at it, you know, hits it a few times and gives him this massive bill. They're like, oh, man. You know, it took you 20 minutes to fix this thing and you want to charge us so much money. It's like, yeah, but it took me 20 years to know how to fix it in 20 minutes. And people think, like, well, you know, well, you're going to coach me. It's like every other coach. No, you've got a butt ton of experience. You've either got the know-how. You've gone through the failures to make sure that, you know, you can give the person the strengths. Um, I think you, you are limited but you start valuing things a bit more and you start saying, okay, this is what I want to do. And yeah, your price goes up and that, but the value that you give somebody is a lot higher. Um, and I don't do, I do one-on-ones as well. And I work with a couple of athletes. Um, but when you're working online, you can actually access more, you know, through the online system as well, not just the training. And I've got hybrids. I've got clients where I see in person and I help them online because you can't help them with their habits and things unless you're doing some accountability. Um, and it's all, you know, all mixed. Um, so like kind of on the business side, is, is that how coaching would work as a progressive role? As you gain more experience, your hourly rate's going to go up. Now, how would that work with like existing clients? And, and this is more, I don't know if you can share that information, like uh, from the business mind, as your rates go up, but you have maybe a client for five years, do you need to communicate with them as how things are working or how, sorry, I'll let you explain. How would yeah, that work? Look, most of the time you'll have clients fall off at some stage. I do have, like for instance, I've got a guy that I've been working with over two years. He's become so simple. He doesn't want anything but an accountability once a week. He doesn't want a call. He doesn't want anything else. He just wants his programming and he's happy. He's not too deep in that. But he does understand that there is going to be a price increase every now and then. Now, yes, as your experience grows and all that, you need to be putting up your pricing. And it's like people pay a certain price for quality. And if you keep, you know, dropping or keeping at a lower standard, people are going to be like, well, you've been in the game for so long and that it's just, it's a weird thing. When you charge a bit more, people are like, well, damn, you know, there must be something to it. Um, and you have to do that. I think as a coach, you really need to grow yourself and know when to put up your pricing. And, and once your clients start getting results, be like, well, you know, stop with the whole, I'm not that good enough. And you're getting your clients results. You really mm -hmm. help them. Put your price up. And also with inflation, if you're at this rate, if yeah, you're not putting it up 10% a year, and, and you're, you're losing person. money. Like you said, you're one person. You can't yeah. clone yourself. Know where your value lies and be able to, you know, sort of get paid for the value that you're giving. Um, if you're doing one-on-ones, I, I know coaches as well that they don't want to be online. They want to do just do the one-on-one, -on -one, but you're so limited with that. So make sure you're charging the right price. Don't stay for five years charging the same price. And you're putting in, I don't know what. 10 hours a day, killing yourself. You're not really looking after yourself. Rather, drop your hours. Be able to look after yourself. Remember, the fruit's only as good as the tree. Mm. That's, that's the thing. You've got to look after yourself as well. Charge the higher price. Yep. Know when to put up that price and know your value that you can you know, give. Do, do you have it. a coaching community that you guys can all uh, you know, throw ideas off and, and work together? Maybe there's a WhatsApp group. <laughs> we actually do. You know, It's weird. You, you start connecting with different coaches. And that's what I love about the soy. You can come to the soy and 
the last time I came to Soy, I mean, now it's still early, you know, early on in the vacation. The last time it's, it's great. You sit at a table and all of a sudden there's like two or three other coaches, you know, and you're all talking about stuff. And next minute, one guy pops out a laptop. He's like, oh man, I've got to be on a mastermind for an hour. Anybody want to join? Yeah, sure. Let's, you know, learn. It happens. And it's mm. so amazing having that. And weird enough, the coaches that I know as well, I mean, Joy Summers is one of them as well. I bounce so many ideas off her. Um, if I've got a problem, I've done it before. I message her because she's got expertise in specific areas that I don't have. And each coach has sort of got a unique area that interests them where they dig deeper into. And you can sort of, you know, pull that out and get that. So you need that. You need that accountability. And I think with the business coaching side as well, I, I had a great group of coaches that I was part of an accountability group. We created ourselves and they're good mates now. You know, you, you message something, hey, has anybody had this problem or whatever? You put it in a group and it's amazing. Somebody will respond. So we do have those. You've got communities online and that. CrossFit's also got these communities that you can grow on. Um, if I look at, you know, Coach Nat that I work with, the 10500, he's the other healthy. At least once a week, I sit with him with a coffee, you know, after a class or something, and we just talk. And it's amazing. You talk about things that are, yeah, it's CrossFit related, you're growing. It's yeah, and sometimes ideas. as long as, even that a small chat, you can start brainstorming ideas that you, you, you know, you just need to bounce ideas off someone that can kind of help solve your own problems. You might solve them on your own without yeah. them saying a word. And, and you know what? Another coach is not going to steal your ideas. No. Maybe they're going to, oh, this is going to like, you know, oh, this is really cool. I like what he's doing. And they're going to apply it to themselves. People will see you when somebody's trying to copy somebody else. But if you can take something and make it, you know, uniquely yours. I've got a thing as well. If you come to one of my classes um, and there's weightlifting, people know already. I've got a, I've got a mobility thing that I do in the beginning of a class, maybe after a specific warm-up. That's my routine. Why? Because it clicks you into that. It's now go time. It's now workout time. You know, I don't even have to say anything and people will stand around and all of a sudden they start moving the guys that have been doing it for a while. They're like, oh, you know, you know. Or weightlifting. It's like, you know, you grab your bar, you know, I want your thumbs in, fingers over the thumb, hook grip, knuckles down. They know, you know, and it becomes ingrained because I do it over and over and over it's again. Your re it's your recipe, yeah, I guess. People know you for that. Mm. And and there's so many coaches as well. You'll go into, into the different gyms and you can go there enough, you go to the different boxes and stuff, you'll pick up these coaches that have their specific ways of doing things. So, you need to take these ideas and you need to learn from other coaches. And I think so many coaches have something to give um, and everybody doesn't matter on their level of being you know, a coach. They can teach you something for sure. Okay. Awesome. Well, right before we wrap it up, cause we're probably what we hit about a minute, 10 hour, 10 hour, 20 yes. hour, 10. Perfect. Um, yeah. If we found if you're under one hour, 19, it's okay. After that, they start to like, fuse drop off i think it's just because it becomes too long form yeah. for the algorithms i've done like some two and a half three hours i mean and then you just realize they're just like they're human have you sat through a human no no i can't they're they're too long i put it on one two five one you know 1.25 and ah, okay. higher speed yeah it's it's just it's unless for me like to digest books like audiobooks and long podcast format it needs to be on the headphones when i'm heavy lifting and because then i'm there for two hours Okay. Or maybe a walk, but no way if I'm uh, if I'm Walking. running. I can't I can't digest like audio content like running, like after like if I'm really sprinting, just because everything goes to your breathing. I I'm not really absorbing anything. Um, one last question. I guess it's a uh, it's a double edged sword, sword on this one or, or two two what is it two birds with one stone. Um, you said you're fully booked, and this allows it to jump in and plug yourself where everyone can find you as well. If you're fully booked and you're not taking on more clients within that coaching community itself, do you pass clients to them? Is there some sort of affiliate kickback and you all kind of end up working together? So, you know, on the online side as well, I have sort of a waiting list. Um, most of the time it's not long. It's like four weeks. Um, 
or I would pass it off to another coach that I trust. Yeah. So we do have our coaches that we you know, we trust. Sometimes I might work with a client. So we get on a call. So you get on a call with me and that's sort of like an interview to see if we're going to work well together. And if I find like, hey, maybe another coach would work better, I would actually refer after the call and say, hey, you know what? It's great jumping on the call with you and that. I would love to work with you, but I think this coach is going to be a better fit. You know, he has the contact details. Same with personal training. In the beginning, when you start, you know, personal training and stuff, you take on all the clients. Now I'm at a stage where like, you know, it's just like I'm limited with my time, but I think this coach would be perfect for you. And I've what, done that many what times. What are some of those examples? Could it be maybe some lunatic that talks too much and you're like, fuck, I don't want to deal with that guy. I know, but I know someone that will. I, I don't think it's the person because you sort of adapt to every person. Okay. Um, but if it's a guy that's kind of with a specific goal and I think I'm not as you know specific with that and I can refer them out to somebody else that has better skills in that because they do. There's coaches out there that have better skills maybe in something else. Then I'll refer them out. Then I'll say, hey, man, I think this guy's going to be better suited to your six-month goal or your three-month goal or whatever. If, you know, um, for instance, in the CrossFit side, it's a bit different as well. If you come to me with a performance goal, I'm going to want to help you. Mm -hmm. um, and if I've got the space, I'll help you. Um, on the online side, like I said, waiting list. I mean, most people don't mind waiting like two, three. I'll give you some habits and stuff to do. I'll still jump on a call with you. I'll be like, hey, man, you know, the next intake is only like four weeks. I'm at a capacity, you know, and you want to give quality. So it's great. You can take on more clients, but your quality is maybe going to go down and then your retention goes down and your clients are not happy. And, you know, getting to 80 messages a day is going to be kind of hard. You, you, know, you don't want to limit yourself. Yeah, it's a good mar uh, FOMO marketing strategy. People want what they can't have. You got to go on the waiting list. You got to wait it out. It's coming. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's <laughs> not a bad thing. You, you, you don't lie to the people either. No, you no, no, see no. It, you know? yeah, but, yeah. Um, be honest with them and say, hey, man, I, you know, I really want to give you quality. And they'll see that. You know, if your attention's high as a coach, then you know you're giving good quality and you're not selling them a lie. You know, you've got, you got a guy like he, three months, you know, okay, he's paid for three months and three months come, he's like, hey, man, can I do another three months? Well, then you're doing a good job. You keep doing that and maybe just, you know, pop it up a notch. And then the next time you do it again, like six months down the line, new guy comes in, you can charge more because now you've, you know, you're up to quality, you added more value. Well, we're going to wrap it up on that note. I think on the next podcast, uh, I have more questions, but uh, we definitely, it would just go way too, I think it'd go another hour. Uh, we'll probably, I, I think on the next one, we could learn more about like, what are the tools that these trainers use to stay efficient? Now you're seeing my post-it notes down, downstairs. That's what I'm using. But I know a lot of them are using apps and things like Calendly, and I'm sure there's a plethora of others. Uh, I think we could stick with that on the next one. But let us know in the comments, any questions, things we missed. If I talk too much, if I'm an absolute lunatic, that's fine. Make fun of me. That's great. We're going to pass it over and I'll kick it to this camera here. Just let everyone know where they can find you on all the socials and how to connect. All right. Social media. It's uh, Instagram's the big one. I am Coach Leroy. Uh, I know it sounds cliche, but I've had that for so many years. Um, so, yeah, I am Coach Leroy on Facebook. It's just Leroy Saunders. Um, on YouTube, that's actually a new thing. It's just started the YouTube. That'll be coming up. It's also just Leroy Saunders. Um, it. Awesome. Yeah. So a lot, a lot to, uh, a lot's coming and, um, I never know how to end these. So thanks a lot for joining us and we are out. Mm -hmm.